I want you to think of a time, maybe a time in your life when you just felt completely overwhelmed, just completely overwhelmed. Maybe, maybe you feel that way right now and trying to make ends meet, you know, it just thinking of our world today, just like even grocery prices as they keep climbing. I cry every time I go to the grocery store and have to pay the bill and I have a little therapy session with the person that's checking us out. Uh, paying $40 for a dozen eggs just doesn't seem right and you're feeling the pain at the pump. Maybe, maybe you're a single parent and just trying to keep it together. Maybe you feel overwhelmed in your marriage. It might be health related. It might be job related. What do you do in those situations? What do you do in those situations? Because all of us at one time or another are going to go through something in our lives that we just feel overwhelmed. And the other question is, how do we help people going through those times? Maybe it's a friend, a family member, a, a, a co-worker. And I think most of the times people mean well, but often we can give simplistic words to very deep problems. I watched a, a news report um, about the suffering going on in the U- Ukraine because of the war. And at the beginning of the war, I watched this one news report showing people that were huddled together in the subways um, because of the uh, endless bombing. And they interviewed a couple, a married couple, uh, that were in their 80s. And basically, they were sleeping under a turnstile. And the resiliency of their life and their fortitude was just amazing. And I saw another report in the Ukraine of a woman. Um, she was a widow and she was living by herself in her house, had no electricity, and she was cooking everything with wood. And, uh, you know, she just bundled up and she was knitting socks. And they asked her, what, what are you knitting socks for? And she goes, I'm, I'm knitting socks for the soldiers. And then, then they asked her, so what, how do you keep warm? And she said, well, when it's 40 degrees out here in Ukraine, we open the windows and let the heat in. They're just, they're tough, man. They are tough, resilient people. And, and I know many times we, we want to give answers to people going through difficult problems and situations. And we want, uh, many times, want answers. And it's hard to find answers many times. And I think sometimes we try to give answers that sound like they're godly or in the word of God, but they, they really aren't. How many have ever heard the saying, God won't give you any more than you can handle? How many have heard that, right? We hear that all the time. And now when I hear it, I, I, I kind of cringe because we think it's a, maybe a biblical saying uh, and it's not. And we, we, we need to be careful with, with what we're saying or, or we'll say things like, don't worry, this wouldn't happen in your life if God didn't think you could bear it, something like that. Or, or we think this one, it sounds like it's actually coming from, from, from the Lord himself, from God himself. Something like this, I won't give you more than you can take, and I might let you bend, but I will not let you break. Now, these sound inspirational, and they may make a great meme, and we can put it on social media, or we could share it with somebody else, but is it necessarily true? And this is what we're looking at. We're finishing up our series of lies we believe. Are these saints necessarily true? Because, because is this the right thing to share with a couple that's living in a subway station avoiding massive bombing? Or the elderly woman who has no heat and electricity and she's using wood to heat her house? Or share with someone who has been given a terminal diagnosis? It sounds good. And I know we're trying to give hope to people. But can we be honest with ourselves? 
Here's the truth. The truth is life will give us more than we can handle at times. It will. Life will give us more than we can handle at times. And the promise that God will not give us more than we can handle is not a promise of God. I hate to break the bad news to you. It's not found in the Bible. Really, Pastor? I've been quoting that to people for years. It's not found in the Bible. Now, where do, where do we find something similar? We find something similar. This is where the misunderstanding comes. It's from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And listen to what Paul says. Paul says, no temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So what is Paul talking about here? Is he talking about God's not going to give you more than you can handle? No, what Paul is talking about, there's a, there's a misreading of this passage that we get this saying from. But what Paul's saying in this passage, clearly he's talking about temptation that leads to sin. And we have a way of an escape through Christ Jesus not to succumb to sin and the temptation of sin. So that's a, a message for a different Day, But I want to look at how do we handle life's trials when we feel like we're at our breaking point. So I want to first look at the truth about ourselves. We are not meant to handle extreme stress on our own. We can't do it. We, we, we're not built that way. Life is hard and it can beat us up. So we were not built to carry heavy burdens. We weren't meant to do that. And is how resilient we may think we are and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Um, something in life will come that will knock us down. And if we're not careful and if we don't understand how to handle stress and the burdens of our lives, it can get to the point to where we give up. But this doesn't mean when we have issues and trials in our lives, it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that we're weak or don't have enough faith. Everyone copes differently. And let us not look down on people who cope differently than we do. It means that we're human and that we're frail. Amen? Every single one of us, we're human and we're frail. And if we're not careful, we can give actual hurtful answers to those who are struggling. And we can't just say, well, you're going through this deep thing, just... Just have more faith or just let go and let God, right? It's more than that. We have to be very careful. So let me just give you some wisdom here on on what to say to someone who's really going through a difficult time or going through a trial. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, somebody you know, a friend. Let me just say this. Just sympathize with them and empathize with them. It's the best thing you can do. Don't try to understand everything that they're going through because we will never understand what people are going through in their specific trial. Don't try to take it and turn it around and use something that you went through and start sharing your story, even though it may be similar. It doesn't necessarily help people in what they're going through because their story is their story and their hurt is their hurt. And so how do we understand? Simply say this, I have no idea what you're going through. I don't have any idea what you're going through. And I can't imagine how hard it must be. And the best thing you can say to them is just say, I'm here for you and I love you and I'm praying for you. 
I think sometimes we try to add all these words and things and and it, it could actually put more weight on someone that's already at their wit's end. I think the best thing that you can do is just be present for people. Just be there. Just be there. Be a friend. And, you know, many of you know that my wife and I, we lost our first child many, many years ago and many years ago. And the one thing I can remember is not really anything anybody said or any scripture verse that they said to me. I don't remember any of that. But I'll tell you what I do remember. The people that were there, the people that were present, the people that took us out to dinner, the people that stopped by our house just to give us a meal, the people that months later just say, hey, we're just going to pop in, say hi, take you out. How are you guys doing? Being present is the most important thing to let people know that you really care because there's nothing we can really say or any scripture verse. All those things are helpful and I understand that. But I think sometimes being present is the most important thing that we can do. See, the reality is that we do bend and we can break. The Apostle Paul understood his humanness. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians because what the Apostle Paul does is he gets brutally honest with the church in Corinth. Now, when he writes this, he doesn't want, uh, he's not not looking for people to feel sorry for him. He's He's not saying this to say, woe is me and look at all the hardship I'm going through. He actually uses what he says in his letter to the church in Corinth as a platform to praise God even in the midst of his hardships. And there's a couple things that I want to extract out of these passages that will help us when we are going through trials and we feel like we can't take another thing. Listen to what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. Is everybody with me this morning? Just say, hi, pastor. I'm with you this morning. Okay, I'm just checking. I want to make sure. I feel like everybody's sleeping right now. No, I'm just teasing. I, I know you're with me. But let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. This is so good. It says, we do not want you to be uninformed. Brothers and sisters, listen to what he says about the troubles we've experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received a sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on behalf of our gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now, this this is what I love about this passage because, first of all, Paul just says, Here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. This is, I mean, I'm at the point of despair. It's a death sentence. I mean, he's, he's not holding back. I mean, we, we know as we read through Scripture that Paul was almost killed many times through stoning, shipwrecked, I mean, persecuted. We know his life wasn't easy as he spread the gospel. And so he's just being honest with the church in Corinth that his life and what he's going through is in deep peril. But I want you to see two things that Paul says. First of all, he says, my hope is in Christ. On him we have set our hope. 
that he will continue to deliver us. And then I love verse 11. He says, my hope is in Christ. And the second thing he says, as you helped us by your prayers. What Paul is doing is pleading with the church to pray for them. It's with you and your prayers and standing with us that's helping us to endure. Yes, life is hard and I don't understand why all these things are happening, but my hope is in God. It's in Christ. And I know that the church is standing with us in prayer. Paul was honest about what he was going through. He doesn't see it as a weakness or that he's spiritually weak. See, what makes the church beautiful and what makes the church so significant is that we need each other. See, I think sometimes the way we feel is like, well, I don't want to tell people my problems because it, it seems like a vulnerability and, you know, I don't want to share that. But look at what Paul says here. He says he shared his pain and his trial with the church and they were praying for him. We get hundreds and hundreds of prayer requests that come through the church every year. And I want you to know that every single prayer request is prayed over. We pray for it with our staff. We pray for it on Tuesday night during our prayer time as our prayer prayer group meets here on Tuesday nights. We pray for every single request. See, what happens in our lives, I think, many times is we hold these things into ourselves and we don't allow other people to know what we're going through. You end up putting the pressure on yourselves. It's, it's like a layer after layer after layer that, that is weighted upon us and we were not meant to carry all those burdens. And that's why Paul said it's through your prayers that's helping us to endure. It's okay to share your requests with one another. We need to walk through this world together, striving together, helping each other, encouraging each other, and praying for one another. How many, I mean, for me, I love when I know people are praying for me. I, I love to hear that. Because I know, has there ever been a time in your life where you just, you felt weak, but there was strength there, and you knew someone was praying for you? You, you actually felt the prayers of other people praying for you? It's important that we give our requests to one another. And this is what Paul saw was so important that we're not walking alone. I want you to understand because I know we we can live in a world that says, you know, don't show your weaknesses. Make sure you're always strong. Put on your poker face or I don't play poker, but just put on your poker face. I don't bet, but put on your poker face, right? Don't bet out there, you kids, okay? Um, but, but, But this is, Paul's saying, no, this isn't what you're supposed to do. See, understanding our weakness doesn't mean We are not strong or don't have enough faith. It's not what it means. It means that you're trusting the Lord, that you're being vulnerable before one another, saying, I have a need and I need prayer. He says that we were burdened beyond what we could bear. Paul was honest. Paul didn't say, well, God's not giving me any more than I can bear. No, what Paul's actually saying is, no, we were beyond what we could bear. And so Paul is at his breaking point. And Paul says, this is putting us under this tremendous pressure. In fact, the Greek word here is barrio, which means weighted down. We were weighted down with the pressure of all our trials. And he says, I cannot do it alone, 
my hope is in the Lord and I need the prayers of the saints. I remember, you know, I remember watching this TV show and it was like a competition they had with other people and they had to put their arms out like this and they wanted to see the person who keep their arms out the longest. And so you could do this for a long, right? If you put your arms out for a long time, my arms are already getting tired right now, but you could put your arms out like this. But then what they did is they added weights to their arms and they could see who could hold it up. And after a while, the more weight you put on, no one could endure. The pressure was too great. This is what Paul is talking about. And what happens if we don't give our cares to the Lord? In fact, Peter says, cast all your cares onto the Lord because he cares for you. I want you to get the word picture. The word picture is like taking a, a net, a fishing net, and then you, you cast that net out. What you're doing is you're, you're taking all your burdens and you're literally cast, you're throwing them to the Lord. It's like, it's like taking, you know, a, you know, a saddlebag and throwing it up on the horse or throwing it up onto a donkey. You're, you're taking that weight. You're not meant to carry that weight by yourself. But what happens in our lives when we don't express our needs to one another, you keep adding more and more and more to your backpack until you're just walking around with this heavy burden on your life. And you think, well, well, I can do it. I can do it. No, you can't. No, you can't. You will eventually break. Paul understood this. Paul said, I'm at my breaking point, but he understood that his hope is in the Lord and he felt the prayers of the church helping him to endure and Paul tells him, listen, I was at my point of, of despair, but I didn't give up. I didn't give up because my hope is in the Lord. In fact, he compared it to a death sentence, but he didn't give up. Paul knew the purpose behind it, and it was for him to see the strength of God in his life and a God who is mighty to save. Now, listen, I don't know why things happen the way they do in our lives, I don't understand why we go through certain things. I wish I could just explain it all. I wish I understood it myself. I, I don't know why things go, but I do know at times life does stink. Amen? But I do know this, God is good. Even when life is difficult and hard and overbearing, I know that God is good. And I know he uses everything for his purpose. And what Paul understood is, Paul understood that through his trials, he knew that he was going to grow closer to the Lord, as strange as that may sound. Because we think, well, if everything's going smooth in my life and there's no resistance in my life, I'll grow closer to the Lord. But how many of us know the exact opposite seems to happen? Because when we're going through a deep trial in our life, there's this dependency now on the Lord to say, God, I can't do it. And maybe God allows that to say, Barden, you can't do it. You need me and you need my grace. God actually uses it to draw us closer to him. And this is the wonderful thing, the beautiful thing that Paul figured out is that through his trials, he saw God working his greatest and God's power working through his weakness. See, we need to break this mentality that I'm a Christian and I'm a follower of Jesus and everything's going to go perfect in my life. If anybody tells you that, just slap them. No, don't slap them. But listen, that's not true. Because if you read through the New Testament and you look what the apostles and the disciples went through, all of them suffered. But with joy. 
knowing that they were serving the Lord, knowing their God was there for them, knowing that he can deliver, knowing that the church was with them, giving them strength to endure whatever they might endure. At our wit's end, God is there. Psalms 34 speaks to this very thing. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to those who have it all together. Isn't that wonderful promise? Right? What does it say? The Lord is close to who? The brokenhearted. The brokenhearted. It says, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So when we feel like we're at our wit's end and when we feel like we don't, we can't take another step, God is close to you. I want you to realize he's not left you. He's not far from you. For some reason, when we're going through a difficult trial, we feel like we want to walk away. We want to isolate ourselves. That's just the opposite of what we should do. When we're going through something difficult and we're struggling in our life, the very place we need to be is with the family of God and sharing our struggles so that we can pray with one another. That's what the church is for. We need each other. And I know the proclivity of our heart wants to just go in this pain alone and go in this dark room alone and just hide from it all, but we need to do just the opposite. Paul didn't run, he didn't hide, he didn't give up. He called it what it was. He said his life wasn't perfect. He called it for what it was, but then he called on God. He said, God, I know you're there and our hope is in you. And he called on the church to pray. So what Paul does is he's not looking once again for sympathy and woe is me and why am I going through all this? He saw it as God's plan. It drew the church closer together. The suffering brought the church closer together and God was glorified in their midst. You see, what I love about this promise is God is close. He's with us in our brokenness. It can be the brokenness that comes from waywardness or even a trial. He is with you when you are broken because you feel like you've blown it again. God is there and will never leave us or forsake us. I want to share a story with you um, with Paul and this personal trial he went through. And I love it. I'm so glad that this is in, in, in scriptures for us. You hear Paul, he sees the risen Savior. Jesus blinds him, then he gets healed, and then, he, get, you know, then he, he gets saved, he follows you know, Christ, lays his life down for Christ's glory to spread the wonderful message of Jesus. He's gone through all this stuff, shipwrecked, almost killed, stoned to death, almost stoned to death. Paul goes through all these things, and he has this close relationship with the Lord. He's, he's seen the third heavens. He has all these you know, revelations, and he just this amazing apostle. And there's a time he's going through his life where he has this thorn in his side. Now, we don't know what the thorn is. I'm so glad we don't know what the thorn is because I think God just leaves that out for a purpose because, you know, every single one of us, we've got some thorn, don't we? We've got something in our lives, that trial that just keeps us dependent on the Lord. Can I get an amen, 1030 crowd? All right. It, we all have that. So I'm glad it's just this general thing. So what Paul does is, he prays three times. Now, this is Paul praying. And you think, oh, yeah, God's going to deliver Paul. He's going to heal him. Nope, he doesn't. And the Lord gives the answer. Now, it's not that Paul did anything wrong, but God was showing Paul something greater that he wanted for his life. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10. It says, but he said to me, 
the Lord speaking to Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardship and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, this flies in the face of worldly wisdom, doesn't it? You know, we, we have to be the best. We have to be the strongest. We can't let anybody see that, you know, we're, we're weak in whatever we do. But, but listen to what Paul says. God is teaching something to Paul saying, yeah, I could heal you, but there's something greater I want to do in your life. I want to keep you humble before me. It's not that he did anything wrong, but I want to keep you humble before me because I want you to know my power in your weakness. So when trials come our way and things we don't understand, it reveals our weakness, but then it shows the strength of the Lord when we give that to him and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I'm weak in this area. And God says, that's exactly where I want you. I want you under my hand. I want you to depend on me. You see, See, what, what God was doing was something that was beneficial for Paul because Paul had such great knowledge and revelation that was given to him from the Lord. And God says, I want to keep you humble. I don't want you to become dependent on yourself. And it's so easy for us to become dependent on ourselves and our strength and lose our humility before the Lord. So God allowed the storm to be in his, in his, in his side, whatever it was, not to harm him or to hurt him but to give him God's strength in his life, to keep him dependent on the Lord and that he would know God's grace in a greater way. And the way we know God's grace in a greater way is through our hardships. As strange as that may sound, the way we know God in a deeper way is through our hardships. Now, none of us want to go through hardships. We don't like it. But we do, but God uses them for a purpose so that we can know his grace and find his joy in spite of the things that may occur around us. He stays close to us. He doesn't leave us. Going through afflictions is humbling. It shows that we are in need. And we are frail creatures. You're never meant to carry the burdens that you're carrying and God says, lay them at my feet. God understands that we are frail. You see, the promise of Psalms 34 and 2 Corinthians 12 is that when we feel alone, we have no one who is there for us. Maybe when we feel like we're breaking under the pressure of our trial, we can know one thing, that God is there, that he does give us his grace, that he does give us his strength. And the reason why we can know this and the reason why we can go to an endless reservoir of God's grace is because of what Christ has done for us. You see, what Jesus does for us is, is he actually faced our suffering. Biblical prophecy in the Old Testament talks about a suffering servant that would come and lay his life down for his sheep. See, Jesus understands everything that we have gone through without, yet without sin. Jesus can sympathize with us. He can empathize with us. He knows what it feels like to go through trials. 
And so he's our go-between. He's our mediator between, between us and God. And we go to Christ, our mediator, and we will find help and find God's grace in our time of need. Jesus is an understanding Savior that understands everything. He came, was born in the dirt, in a cradle, walked amongst us, walked amongst our sin and our rebellion, and then goes to a cross to bleed and die for us, to appease the righteous demands of God. He is perfect in every way. He understands what you're going through. That's why Paul had such a close relationship with Christ. God, in doing what he did for Paul, didn't want Paul to rely on himself and thus go wayward and depend on his own strength. He wanted to keep Paul close. And so through the trials of our life, God keeps us close. He keeps us right here. I'm not going to let you go. Yeah, I know this is hard. I know this isn't easy. But I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to give you the most important thing I'm going to give you my grace. And in your weakness, you're going to see my power. And that's where your joy is going to be. That's where your freedom is going to come from. You see, what a witness it is to the world when we're going through trials and they're like, man, how are you getting through this? How are you enduring? We say, because I'm just such a great person. I'm so humble, you know. No, we say it's only through Christ who gives me the strength. Listen, how many of you can relate to people that talk about all their victories and how wonderful they are? None of us, right? We get, we're like, oh, okay, good for you. Woo, right? We're glad for you. That's wonderful. Glad everything's perfect in your life, right? But when someone you hear shares their struggles and how they've endured through those things, all of a sudden our ears are opened. And when you're talking with other people and you share your struggles and that you're not perfect and that Christ is helping you through all those things, guess where all the glory goes to? It goes to Christ, not us. And that's what God wanted for the Apostle Paul. That all the power and all the glory would go to his Savior. And that's what God wants for you. I wish I could make sense of all the suffering in the world and the things that we have to endure. I wish I could make sense of it all, but I know God is sovereign and I know he uses it for his purpose. And I know one thing, that God never wastes our suffering. I know when we look at our suffering, we think it's so meaningless. Why is this the way it is, God? It just seems so meaningless. To the world, it may seem meaningless. To God, he says, I'm going to use it for my purposes if you just trust me with it. I'm going to draw you closer to me than anything else could ever draw you to me. I'm going to use this for my purpose if you just give it to me. And I know God can take our brokenness and bad decisions and things that were done to us, the atrocities maybe that were done to us, and God redeems it for his glory. Do you understand that? That's the power of the gospel. He changes us for his glory. We who were broken and messed up and made bad decisions. And he changes and he, say, and he says, okay, I'm going to take this barden who was messed up and I'm going to change it for my glory. This is what the gospel does for Christ's purposes. And when we express that to other people, their ears perk up. 
Because we're not bragging about how great we are or how, what we've done on our own. We give all the glory to God. We give all the glory to God. I remember before I was saved, you know, I got saved young at 16. But I never, you know, I used to think about, well, I didn't do anything real bad, right? I didn't smoke, chew, go with girls that do. I didn't do any of that. So I tried to be real good about that stuff. And I, I used to kind of measure myself on my own standard of righteousness until I came face to face with Christ. And I realized I fell short. That my sin and waywardness was just as much of an atrocity as anybody else. And that's why Paul said that he was the chief of all sinners. He called it for what it was, even in his pursuit of righteousness and being a Pharisee and trying to pursue God through the law. He realized he counted it all as dung, as waste, in comparison to knowing Christ and who he is. So as you go through the trials in your life, I want you to understand that it's not meaningless. Let me finish with this quote by G.K. Chesterton. He was a writer in the late 1800s, early 1900s, philosopher. He's written a lot of neat, neat, neat books. But he says this. This is such a good quote. He says, Meaningless does not come from being weary of pain. Meaningless comes from being weary of pleasure. Think about it for a moment. We are pleasure-seeking creatures. We want things to make ourselves feel good. I mean, that's okay. And, it, and it's okay to enjoy life, right? Amen? We want to enjoy life. I like fishing. I enjoy it. I love being out. I can't wait till it's 80 degrees and just sitting out there and catching some bass. I mean, whoo, come on. Somebody say amen, right? It's just, that's okay. But that shouldn't be our ultimate pursuit. And what G.K. Chesterton is saying here is that when we look for pleasure to give us meaning, we'll never find it. We'll never find it. Because there's always going to be something bigger and better that we're going to need to chase to fulfill that need in our heart. Can I get an amen? You can see it all the time. People chase this thing and they chase it and they finally get it and they're like, okay. It's like, you know, it's like your, your, your children on Christmas morning, they open up and you give them this nice gift, right? You just got them a Xbox or whatever the new latest thing is, right? And then they go and they play with the box that the toy came in. They're more excited about the box, right? Listen, we've got to guard our heart against always seeking things that we think are going to fulfill it. What G.K. Chesterton is saying, he's saying, no, meaningless comes from pleasure, not, not being weary of pain. And so God may allow us to go through things to draw us closer to him that we might find his joy and find his freedom in our lives. What you are going through and what you've gone through in your life, let me just tell you this. As hard as this is, and I'm not trying to minimize anything you've gone through in your life, it is not meaningless in God's eyes because he will restore you he can heal you and he can use your story for his glory. No matter how hard it is. Do you hear me, church? Sometimes we want to hide in that and say, oh, I'm embarrassed or I want to hide in this. No, let God redeem it for his glory. Let him restore you because your story can speak to someone else who's hiding, who's fearful, who's allowed their pain and the weight of their pain 
to keep them in bondage and walking in the freedom that Christ desires you to walk in today. So I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to close in song. What we're going to do this morning, if there's a heavy burden that you're carrying today, something that you're going through today, something that's just been on the back of your mind, something maybe you've been carrying for years, I want you to realize you can cast that care at Christ's feet because he cares for you. If you want to come, as we sing the song and you want to come forward, somebody somebody will come up behind you, lay a hand on your shoulder and just pray for you. We had a beautiful, sweet time at the 9 o'clock service of just allowing people to lay those burdens down. If you need to do that, come forward. We will... We will just agree with you and and just lay that thing down. Don't walk out of this place carrying that burden. We care about you. We love you. This is what the church is for. If you can do that here in front of us, God's going to honor you. He'll be there for you. You're not walking alone. I want you to know that. Amen? We love you today. Father God, uh, we come before you and all of us in this place, Lord, are not meant to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We thank you that there's a person in Christ Jesus who carries our burdens for us. And I just pray for every person here today that is just carrying a heavy weight, something that is just giving them so much stress. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you and put their hope ultimately in you, Lord, and that also they would know that the church is here to pray and to stand in the gap and to walk side by side as we traverse through this world together. We thank you, Lord, for the hope that we ultimately have in Christ, that he overcame this world, and thank you for the body of Christ that is here for each other to cast our cares at your feet and to carry our burdens together as we lay them at your feet. Thank you that we can pray for each other and help each other, Lord. Walk in this world in the strength of Christ. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness. And we want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' precious name, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning for his word? He's so worthy of it. Amen.